Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. I'm here today with Locke Kelly. Locke, welcome. Thank you so much, Byron. Great to be here. We're going to make a shift into freedom today. No pun intended, the name of your fabulous book. Um, I feel like this book might have taken you a solid 25 years to write or create <laughs> because it is a deep dive, if you will, uh, yeah. into the into the spiritual world and all kinds of other things. But I'm curious, how long did it take you to write this book? Uh, well, 25 years is a pretty good <laughs> guess. That's when I've been gathering material at least that long. But I would say consciously 10 years. Wow, that's incredible. Now, you have a monstrously colorful background, which certainly has gone into, into the creation of the book, ranging from you know establishing homeless shelters and, and community building and servicing families of 9-11 victims. I mean, incredible, diverse experience you've had. How do you find your way into f- g- 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 latching on to this incredible experience that you've been part of? Um, I think it started uh, when I was in college. I had an experience um, where I was just a normal college, you know, kid, and uh, I had three major losses in the same year. So, first of all, my father developed brain cancer, and then he passed away within a year. And then my grandmother, who had been living with us, who was in her 90s, uh, passed away soon after that. And then my best friend from the hockey team uh, died in a car accident a couple months later. And so I was, I was kind of thrown into this deep well of kind of grief and overwhelm. Did your own personal experiences lead to your eventual quest to want to change the world and make it a better place? It did, yes, because uh, I had a couple of experiences around that where I got relief. You know, one point I was walking up a hill after the library closed and feeling like there was no hope, just so, you know, heavy. And I actually remember hearing my own voice say, I, you know, um, I don't know if you can take this any longer. And then I kind of like was shocked as if there was somebody talking to me and I kind of stopped and just looked for who was talking. And what I found was something just relaxed, some, pattern of thought and emotion just completely opened up my mind and I felt like I was connected to nature and then I kind of dropped into my heart and I felt like there were, I had accessed something completely uh, deeper and wider and higher and more pervasive than I thought was possible. Clearly, that's a discovery of something, uh, you know, uh, very deep. Um, how many other discoveries like that have you come across in the course of your life? I think many little little glimpses. And at first, you know, I think like many of us, um, I didn't know what they were, or I would, you know, kind of either jump past them or uh, kind of minimize them. Think they were about the 
people, places, or things that I was, uh, you know, in or with at that time. Uh, but after this kind of experience in college, I started wondering whether I could intentionally shift, intentionally access this dimension of consciousness, which I, I experienced at the time. I knew that it wasn't just a state, uh, like a pleasurable state. I knew it was like really who I was beneath the pain and the contraction. Did you tell anybody about this awakening? And if so, what was their reaction? I did. I told a number of people. My friends were like, oh, wow, man. Uh, cool. All right. So now what? let's go do something else. <laughs> so they were like, they had no reference. And that was the basic uh, experience I <clears throat> was met with is people were interested, but then they looked back into themselves and into kind of the context of our culture or what they had heard. And it just didn't match it didn't they didn't have a reference in some ways my book and the cds uh are a way to give a cultural uh scientific uh context for this as you know an ordinary dimension of human experience hmm. where do you begin research on find trying to find uh, scientific answers to why an awakening would happen. I wouldn't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, almost as I was looking in my own way, which was more... Inward. Know, inward and, you know, kind of, you know, a, scientific in the sense that I was trying to be objective and I wasn't trying to bring religious beliefs to what I was finding. I was trying to just say, okay, let's just see what's here, what's true, you know, like... I do with my students. I basically say, here's the, here's the premise, here's the hypothesis or the view, and now I'm going to give you a set of experiments, and then you look for yourself and you report what's true in your own language. And so that's what I did. Uh, and while I was doing that and kind of learning from these great meditation masters from many different traditions in India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, um, other scientists were starting to, to have access to new um, devices that could look at the brain and its activity just in the last 20 years, the fMRI and <clears throat> some, some other instruments that gave the possibility of seeing what the changes in our brain due to different types of meditation work. You've studied meditation. You're a meditation teacher, of course, but you've, you've studied meditation around the world with some very powerful people doing some interesting things. Could you describe to the listeners what it's like to study under some of these masters of meditation? Like, are there classes? <laughs> are, there, are there just or sitting around meditating? Is there discussion? Like, how do you become a student of this discipline under these amazing teachers? Yeah, so I think, you know, each tradition, each teacher, each, you know, country within a tradition, you know, has a different flavor or orientation. There's definitely study reading. There's definitely lectures or Dharma talks. And they are all pointing 
toward direct experience, which is mostly the way to learn is to sit uh, quietly uh, and look within yourself, within your mind, and <clears throat> see what is going on, and then to intentionally try to shift consciousness through calming, through focusing, through opening, through letting go, turning over, surrendering, and accessing subtler um, dimensions of consciousness. So, you know, each teacher would have a different way of pointing that out or suggesting uh, which traditional ways um, were best, uh, you know, according to their own experience. Our lifestyles these days are not very inwardly focused, one could suggest. In fact, we're, we're, uh, we're glued to our phones and distracted by those things around us, and our meaning becomes, you know, lots of things we never thought they would be. As a med- meditation teacher, uh, are you banning cell phones, for example, from, from your meditation sessions? Are you, how are you handling this dual world we seem to live in? Yes. Well, I mean, I think that's a great question because the the main translation that I made from what you were just asking about the teachers and the cultural context of learning this were mainly, you know, kind of monastic long-term meditation sessions in quiet places, you know, off in mountain tops or secluded areas. Whereas what I wanted to know from the beginning and what I feel like I've found and developed and I'm hopefully uh, offering to other people is a way to do small glimpses many times in the midst of your day with your eyes open most of the time and achieve or find the same ability to shift your awareness uh, immediately into a natural state of calm, clear, uh, but highly functional um, way of seeing and being. You help people access what you describe as a spacious, natural way of living, a, in, in, in living in tune with a deeper truth. This word spacious is very interesting to me. Could you describe what you mean by spacious, accessing a spacious, natural way of living? Yes. So spacious is one of the most important uh, steps along the way. Um, It's not where you end up. You certainly don't end up spacey or dissociated or even transcendent. The idea is to access a spacious dimension and then realize the spaciousness is embodied and that there's then an open-hearted, interrelated quality from which you can live. But the, the spacious discovery is one that you know, many people find, find and look for in different activities that they do, and a lot of them are, you know, happen in nature. I mean, I could say that... You know, one of the reasons that real estate at the beach is so expensive is because of the space that you look out and you see all this sky. You know, why a penthouse is so expensive, you know, in kind of a funny way. But, you know, we, you know, we, we go to, let's say we take a, 
a hike up a hill with some friends and we have this goal of getting to the top of a hill and we get up there <clears throat> and our goal is achieved and we relax and we look out over the sky uh, and we feel like we're done, we're there. And then we feel this sense of openness, expansiveness, um, interconnectedness, and it's an actual movement from feeling very contracted and bound to accessing a sense of, you know, what's called union, oneness, interconnectedness, openness, uh, and subtle spaciousness, um, which when you feel, it's almost like you can tune into that. When you tune into that, you don't feel as frightened, paranoid, worried, anxious, fearful, as if you're just a little creature, you know, living in your head behind your eyes. Do we, is it possible for you at this juncture of your practice of meditation in particular to, uh, to self arrive at awareness is that what you're really doing? Are you arriving at this place of of, of, of what you describe as this open-hearted awareness? Yes. So, so I would say I would, you know, language it. It's inter- I know exactly what you mean, and I think everyone does, but almost by languaging it, particularly, it can help. In other words, you actually, you don't, cre- it's not created and it's not developed and it's not arrived at as if it's somewhere else. It's almost that you're returning to it or uncovering or discovering an awareness that's already inherently here and awake without your help. It's almost like you're, uh, and so the second part is not only can I do it, but if you listen to the meditation CDs, everyone or, you know, over 90% of the people who just listen to them can arrive at this for short glimpses. And when you do, what you're discovering is what, you know, Buddhists, Taoists, um, Hindus, you know, Christians, Jews call um, awake, awake awareness, spirit, freedom, aliveness, and you get a feeling that, oh my God, this is already here. I'm home. It's just been covered over by another way of operating. Um, um, tell me why I'm wrong on, on this, this this radical assumption, but it's it's always been interesting for me to think about meditation you know, tapes because the concept there is that someone else is going to bring me to this awareness and I'm going to listen to someone else bring me there versus arriving there myself. Right. And that's always the tension. Do you agree with that? And and is that perhaps a flaw of this whole concept of even teaching meditation in the first place? Well, what it does is it's interesting in that, you know, like a guided meditation is really just at, at first, if it's done well, it's not somebody doing something for you. It's not even somebody transmitting something to you. It's just somebody, um, you know, s- teaching you how to get on a bicycle so that you can ride by yourself. 
So ah. once you learn, once you learn these, uh, you know, initially guided pointers, um, uh, then you can do it. Then you can do it for yourself. It's a little easier at first because you don't have to read it and do it for yourself, or you don't have to split your mind off into two parts that says, "Okay, now I'm going to drop my awareness down below my neck." Okay, am I saying? Okay, am I saying it or doing it? You know, so somebody's saying it. You know, simply allow yourself to become aware of hearing at one of your ears. Spot on. By the way, you might want to create a book called The Bicyclist's Guide to Meditation so you can, so you can do it on your own. That was your invention a second ago, not mine. Let's, let's take a break, everyone, and I want to come back with a difficult question, which is what prevents us from, from discovering uh, awareness? Back in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts. But did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localize results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio, T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis. SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Locke, thanks so much for being with us today. Sure, you're so welcome. Now, the other option is I can certainly do one or two small um, guided or glimpse practices, if you like. That's... 
You know, let, let me think about that. I might want to. I might want to. I might want to get into that. <laughs> um, let me think on that. Okay. So, what would you call that? A, a small glimpse of 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 a, of a meditation session, or I would do something very simple, like can, dropping from your head to your heart, or okay. open, opening <clears throat> from awareness being identified with thinking to moving to hearing to moving to the space in which sound is coming and going. Yeah, I dig it. I'm digging it. Okay, yeah, cool. So it's, it's very, you know, it's very simple, but it, you know, people will just follow it and then they'll go like, wow, that was weird. What just happened? You know? Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm, I like it. I like it. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So we're back from the session now. I'm going to come back to that original question that I asked, but then we'll, we'll get into this okay. in a couple of questions. Yeah. Great. We're back everyone with Locke. Locke, thanks for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. I asked the questions before the break. What prevents us from discovering or uncovering awareness? Yes, I'm going to try to be as simple as I can. Uh, it's a, basically a pattern of thinking that, is, that creates a sense of control or monitoring, identity, thought-based knowing in our heads that we're so used to, we don't even notice. But it's wrapping around itself so quickly that we end up feeling anxious or we try to calm it down and we feel depressed. So that pattern of thinking is supposed to be a function uh, to be used by a bigger sense of awareness uh, or a ground of being, uh, a feeling of holistic awareness, embodied awareness, uh, and then we can use uh, thought from there. But when we're wrapped in thought or addicted to thinking, we just get faster and faster and more and more um, tied in knots. Does our cultural, social, or uh, even educational uh, 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 being in, 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 in elements figure into this possible prevention from finding uh, and discovering awareness? Yes, it, it does. I mean, I think it's, I feel like it's developmental, the pattern, because the pattern of this creation of this small, you know, <clears throat> limited sense of self happens even in our daydreams. Um, and so it's kind of a developmental pattern, but we... I think we certainly, because we're so educationally based we and achievement-oriented, we end up, you know, believing that the more we know, the faster we can think, the more we can win at trivial pursuits or <laughs> learn about information, the, the potential for, you know, happiness is just around the corner. So... What I've done, actually, though, is to try to take the model of Western education, study, science, and say, okay, let's look at this as if we can understand what's in the way and how to get out of it and put it in context of what we know because it's not even on the map yet. So this book is kind of saying, let's put it on the map intellectually uh, descriptively, what people said can't be described or is unnameable, 
let's describe it, experience it, shift out of it, and go to a wisdom level uh, mm-hmm. of knowing um, that will is actually going forward. It's not going backwards into a regressed, you know, dumb state, but it's actually uh, going into a, a flow state, which many athletes know, where you're operating at a very high level without a sense of being ego-centered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. I want to ask you if my thought about meditation and really what you're diving into with the book is, is, is accurate. To me, it's all about sort of standing back and thinking beyond and moving forward without noise from the past. I like is, that. That's, am I, that's, that's not bad, huh? <laughs> but my, yes, my, my question to you about that is how does meditation differ from, say, religion? Yes. Or even spiritual inclination, if you want to use a broader term. Yes. I mean, I, I definitely think... I tried to um, present this in, you know, the most essential. I studied with, you know, kind of the most advanced meditation systems, which are often found in religious um, contexts. Uh-huh. And yet I found, well, if all, if the essence of them is the same, they can't be tied to one religion. So let me keep winnowing away the belief structures until I find the essential practice and the essential practices are based in human consciousness. Now human meaning they appear to us humans consciousness means we have access to it, but it's still unknown where it all comes from. So you could have a spiritual or religious premise about where it all comes from, but accessing it doesn't require any belief whatsoever. Awakening doesn't require religion or spirituality, but it could. If you want it, that's fine. If you believe it, it could work as long as it doesn't get in the way. But it's very, it can be described in consciousness language. Do you feel like we need to be torn down before we can forge forward? I don't, I don't necessarily. I think if we go right to the heart of it, which is what I'm trying to do, is just say, let's just go, let's just simplify everything, go right to the subtlest dimension without any preconditions or preconceptions, and just see what's here from this new knowing, from this awareness-based knowing. Shift out of thought-based knowing, move into awareness-based knowing, let that awareness include your body, thoughts, feelings, sensations, and then uh, notice what you're aware of and who's aware now. What does that feel like? And that inquiry, that movement of awareness, like you said, the awareness steps back, is an actual move. It's not like an intellectual thought. It's a feeling of awareness literally unhooking from its identification with thought. And it steps back. So now thought is moving as an object, as contents in the awareness, the field of awareness. But you are the field of awareness. Where you're located is, has shifted. Strangely, I'm with you on all that. <laughs> Here, 
Is the heart the centerpiece of awareness then in your mind? And if so, could you define heart? Yes, that's a great question. So let's let's follow where, where I was just saying and you were staying with me. So let's say we go to the feeling of what the problem is, which is being a little, you know, feeling like we're contracted, identified sense of self that's thought-based and we're this little mini me <laughs> that's located in our heads you know, looking out of our eyes. Now, the first movement of awareness is to step, is to unhook from thought and have awareness step back, open up, and become aware of space and thought and anything else that's moving as contents of consciousness. Now, as that spacious awareness, we can take a nice breath and smile, and then as that awareness, we can remain open while now including and actually embodying coming in and feeling uh, that we're aware from within our bodies and our minds. And now what we've done is usually we've dropped from head to heart. So as we come back into our body, we're now in our whole body and the center feels like it's in what's called the heart mind. So the heart mind isn't the physical heart. It isn't the heart chakra. It isn't um, the emotional heart. It kind of touches all those, but it's actually kind of an, a doorway that opens up behind your back and in front of you to other people, and it's kind of a, a way of processing information that doesn't have to look at the pop-ups and the r- programs running all the time. It just can kind of flow. Is it like Descartes' superego, so it's sort of outside of the body, if you will? No, it's actually, that's kind of why I'm using the heart. When we come back, it's actually very much within. You feel, most people feel like it's literally either in their whole body or, you know, like in the center of your chest, like a a doorway, like a, a globe of awareness that isn't solid and it isn't, filled with thoughts, but it's a feeling like someone could try right now. If you just literally unhooked awareness from seeing and thinking and just let awareness know your throat and your jaw and know your upper chest and then drop from head to heart. So now your whole center of awareness is knowing your body and the awareness in your body directly from within. Hmm. Is there, by the way, this sounds to me like a a small glimpse of a meditation session, which I want to do in a second. Uh, But my question here first is, is there a dawning on awareness, sort of like a feeling? Like, do I approach it? Yes. Well, you're, you're kind of, what we're kind of doing is we're unhooking awareness. Awareness is identified or attached to thought. So it's, it's mingled in there. So we feel like we're locating ourselves and what's going on by looking from thought to thought. What's going on? What is he saying? I'm not sure. Let me look. Let me think about it. Let me refer to something I heard. Oh, that's like this. That's not like that. So what's going on again? Where am I? So we're orienting ourselves by thought, whereas when we 
we literally let awareness, which is called the source of mind from which thoughts appear and has an intelligence of its own, when we allow awareness just to step back and become primary, we have all of the conditioned thought operating in the background and we don't have to look to thought or think about thinking and we're completely alert, present, and able to respond rather than react in any moment as needed. Okay, I'm ready. Let's okay. let's experience a small glimpse of a meditation session. Just a minute or two, nothing okay. too crazy. Um, and then afterwards, I want to ask you a few more questions that relate to things like how I should feel differently, maybe things like that. I'm not sure what I'm going to ask yet. Let me go through it with you and follow your lead. Carry on. Okay, so... Yeah, let's let's try this very simple way of uh, shifting from thought-based, uh, ego-centered identity to a more spacious, embodied view. And it's done very simply. There's no no big trick or esoteric way to do it. It's all about awareness and the senses. So <clears throat> just feel like all your senses are on. You're aware of seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, sensing. And notice how uh, thoughts seem to be located in your head, like the thinking process is happening in your head, and that awareness is identified with thinking in order to feel its usual way of being located. And all we're going to do is unhook awareness and just move it to one of our other senses. So we're going to come back to our senses. So simply, without even knowing how to do it, just let awareness unhook from thought and move to one of your ears. So just let awareness unhook and move to a small area of hearing at one of your ears. And so as awareness unhooks and becomes interested or focuses at a very small area, just hearing not really interested in who's hearing or what you're hearing, just vibration, sensation, sound, right at that location of hearing. Now, just as awareness can unhook and become interested in hearing at this small area, just let awareness unhook and open to the space outside of you in which sounds are coming and going. So just let awareness open. Become interested in sounds, but then now become more interested in the space. The space in which everything's moving. And notice how you can be aware of space as you open maybe to the wall and then turn around and be aware from space back to notice and include thoughts, feelings, and sensations. So as you're <clears throat> feeling the spacious awareness, feel like you can also include and feel pervasive within yourself as if you've returned home 
to be feel an embodied presence while remaining open. And as you do, just notice that you've dropped from your head to a whole body or heart-based awareness. And just don't look down from thought and don't look up to thought to know. Just feel alert, open, curious, able to respond when needed, but resting as a calm, open, peaceful sense of well-being. And just let a smile come to your face and remain equally aware of your whole body, all your senses, without orienting by thought. Just let yourself be awareness-based. I am actually smiling, just so you know. <laughs> and I have some questions for you. Okay. I, I feel like I feel like I left the past through getting in tune with my senses. Like that's yeah. that's how I, what I think just happened, right? Okay. And but I'm wondering, does getting in tune with my senses help me find something outside or inside myself or both? So the senses is the first door, and that's what many meditation systems stop at the first door, which is coming from thought to your senses. So to your breath, to watching, looking at a candle. So just seeing, just hearing, just smelling, just breathing, just feeling the breath in your body. And that's, that will take you, as you say, out of your past referencing. Then the next move is really to go from your senses to awareness, which is both inside and out, which is, you know, you could just feel it subtly, but it's, it's subtler than your senses. It's awareness that is aware of all your senses, but it's not a sense. It's not, you can't be aware of awareness with thought, with hearing, with smell, with touch. So awareness has to be aware of itself. And then awareness can be aware of your senses. So that's, see, that's another step back move that leads you to a subtler dimension of consciousness. Where does freedom come in? Your book title, of course, Shift into Freedom. Is, 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 is freedom the awareness or tell us yeah, about that? Freedom, freedom is, is what you discovery. Describe. Yeah, you yeah. just you you described I'm free of the past. You said when I come to, you know, from my thinking to my senses, I feel free of the past. So the freedom is the first move of being free from a kind of small separate sense of self and being free of that <clears throat> you know perpetual sense of dissatisfaction that comes from that sense of being limited and separate. I must at some point through the meditation process have to return to the stress that I was under, <laughs> right? I had some relief through this awareness, let's yeah. suggest, but 
is my approach to that pain that I felt or that problem I was leaving somewhat altered and diminished? Have I f- found freedom and can conquer onward easier, better, faster, wiser? Yes. So that's the freedom. First half is freedom from the kind of past or contract itself. And then the freedom of the sense of uh, awareness-based knowing, which isn't, uh, isn't taken over or isn't dominated by the movement of what was called stress. So even though there's a lot of activity, um, you don't feel stressed by, you know, I live in New York City, so I don't feel stressed by some people who come in and say like, oh, the noise is so stressful. Well, the noise isn't actually stressful. It's, it's your system or how you res- are responding or interpreting it. I'm walking around completely relaxed, open, not reactive, unstressed by what is a lot of activity, whether it's in your mind or out in the world. It's a matter, it's not about what's happening. It's a matter of who or what it's occurring to. Locke, I only wish this uh, session could go on longer, but you should certainly send me the bill for one of your teaching <laughs> meditation sessions because this has been a lot of fun and very interesting. Yes. Thank two, you. F- two final questions for you. Yes. Who would you like to get a hold of you and how can they get a hold of you? Well, uh, they can go to my website, which is www.lockkelly.org, L-O-C-H-K-E-L-L-Y. And they can see a lot of events there. They'll see my upcoming book. And I really would recommend um, right now the audio CD has just recently been ranked number one on Amazon for audio meditations. It's really taken off because it, you know, what I'm talking about is can sound a little new or technical or intellectual. It's precise. But everything is refined into these series of meditations, which are everyone can do. And they take only a few minutes, and they can be done in the middle of people's day. So you can get them on Amazon or through my website. This is quite a body of work, blending ancient wisdom and modern psychological insights and even uh, current neuroscience research into one fairly easy to listen to podcast that we've just uh, put together here. And um, I really want to thank you again for being on, the, uh, on with us today. Thank you, Byron. Really appreciate it. I enjoyed it very much. Hope everyone's life is a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser and ready to take a shift into freedom. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program 
are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of webmasterradio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited.